Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 22 of Movie Dumpster. Today we're talking The Giver from 1991, directed by Screaming Mad George and Steve Wang. I'm Joel Descola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. David Gale is always creepy McGraw. Welcome to The Dumpster. I am The Giver. What seriously though? Why is David Gale gross in everything I see him? In? David Gale is a gift from the heavens. Oh my god, he is so good. <laughs> He's amazing. This is one of my favorite, just like poopy sci-fi films that is so unapologetic and how fucking silly and stupid and uh, gloriously nerdy it is. Yeah, but they they knew exactly what they were making. Like you have you have Steve Wang, you have Screaming Mad George, and the guy who uh, originally like created and wrote the characters for the Giver, which is uh, Yoshiki Takaya. He's on the script. This is an adaptation of a of Japanese manga and anime. I've seen bits of the anime. I really want to watch the whole series, and I haven't read any of the books. Yeah, if anything, this movie has definitely piqued my interest into the source material. This, I think the concept is so fucking cool. Oh, it's it's awesome. Sean, you kind of have let me know your emotions in this movie, but I've already said that my next pick is Giver 2. Giver 2 is leaps and bounds better than this one because all the stuff I know you're gonna have a problem with is gone well we'll just have to uh see how the cookie crumbles on that one but uh I'll take your word for it for the moment (laughs) it's weird because I've seen this movie uh, a bajillion times but I've only seen Dark Hero a couple Dark Hero doubles down on longer fight sequences with better fight choreography no cutaways from any of the gore no weird sound effects no bad comedy like it just it's a straight-up martial arts action film, that's it. Did they bring over the transitions with the Street Fighter Two character select screen sound effects? Did they bring that back? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Dude, I put this on, and all of a sudden, I was back in the fucking video store with the Hawaiian Breeze fucking plugins, buying some spider bites. I was like, oh, man, I'm going home with the Giver tonight. Yeah, this is a wonderful little trip down to my childhood. Like, Ugh. I found this on the Sci-Fi channel. Yeah years ago and first thing i thought was misky dangling the guyver into like the fucking disposal unit and jeffrey combs standing there i was like is this the reanimator sequel what the fuck is going on (laughs) and david gale was there too (laughs) yeah got his fucking head reattached at one point this is true east i watched the last 30 minutes of that movie on sci-fi channel and fell in love with it and couldn't figure out what the fuck it was for years i would say we would crunch the plot for this movie but i need to do something first i need to get this out of my fucking system This opening crawl is totally fucking pointless, but I'm going to read it to you because I had to fucking rewind it and re-listen to it like three times. (laughs) I love this opening crawl so much. At the beginning of time, aliens came to Earth to create the ultimate organic weapon. They created mankind. By planting a special gene into man, they created Soanoids, humans who can change at will into super monster soldiers. Eons later, the Zoanoid leader called the Zoalord has awakened and formed the Kronos Corporation to further develop the Zoonoid technology for world domination. Among the alien remains was found the, quote, unit, a bio-boosted alien armor. 
Worn by the aliens, it serves as an ordinary shield. If the wearer is human, it increases his natural powers a hundredfold. He becomes the Giver. But how to activate it remains a mystery. Dr. Tetsu Sagawa, a research scientist at Kronos, senses danger if this unit is activated by the Zoolord. Now the doctor has stolen it and is on the run. How fucking Star Wars are you gotta get, man? Like, this fucking, it, it serves no point. Everything in this intro is explained throughout the movie. Why did they think this was fucking necessary? I think we were doing this a lot in the 90s with, like, everything. They were like, hey, you know what? Let's give you a fucking rundown before you watch the whole movie. What do you say? Here's your lore dump. Yeah. But how is anybody supposed to process what they just were reading? You can't because it's all over the place. Like, you're telling me aliens came to Earth and decided humans were a good weapon, but then were like, Nah, let's make them monsters. And then some point down the road, they were like, hey, I made this thing that's way better than any of these monster men. Let's just discard it somewhere. It's an armor. It's a prototype. I wouldn't be surprised if it was fucking Xenu dropping bodies in a volcano, for God's sake. It's, it's non, the plot is nonsensical poppycock, but that's neither here nor there for why I love this movie. Absolutely. That's, that's fine. I just, I had to get that out there because that was so ridiculous. I'm sure there's lots of lore in the anime and the manga, but like, they don't go into the purpose of the Giver, why it was made, if it came before or after the Zoonoids. Quite frankly, I don't think the Zoonoids are all that effective of a super soldier because they seem about as, uh, fragile as like a peanut brittle bar well they just fucking fall apart <laughs> well they're tough sons of bitches i'll, I'll, I'll say that but... yeah well they fall apart when the fucking guyver unit is on sean and he beats the piss out of him <laughs> i wish i had a guyver unit so i could slit my own fucking throat after watching this <laughs> but i you know i'd survive somehow that's how that machine works i don't know the disdain oh my goodness it's got some good effects. It's got great effects. So Sean is your average, I don't know what, 20-something? Oh, okay, let me, let, me, let me just cut you off right there. Sean is an unlikable prick for about 30 minutes. He can't concentrate. He embarrasses himself in front of his Aikido friends. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk in that dojo. Like, everyone's like, hey, pay attention. He's like, I wasn't ready, man. Everyone's like, it's a fucking dojo. You're supposed to be ready at all times, you moron. Yeah, well, to be fair, he was... Uh... He was checking out Mitski and, and seeing what she was up to with uh, Mark Hamill. He was like, is that little cat Luke Skywalker with a mustache? Sean is a 20-something whatever, uh, white dude, and uh, he basically comes upon this alien bio-armor that he doesn't know what it is exactly uh, in like a fucking lunchbox, and then uh, he becomes this bio-suited soldier who has to fight a bunch of alien monsters called Zoonoids who want to take over the Earth, and they basically want this Giver unit, and they'll try to get it uh, any way they can. It's dudes fighting monsters, and uh, yes, yeah, I'm you the fuck up. Here's the thing. It's a Super Sentai movie if the Super Sentai genre was suddenly like, you know what we need? More David Cronenbergian-esque body horror. People get to dissolve, they're going to lose limbs, they're going to horrifyingly transform into things, they're going to melt. So after this crawl that Sean was talking about, we're, we're thrown right into the film. Tetsuo Sagawa, he's running through uh, like this embankment, like, like, like in fucking Terminator 2 when they're riding the fucking motorcycle down that thing where T-1000 is chasing them. I don't even know what you call that. It's like a drainage tunnel thing. So he's running through there, and uh, we're introduced to our main group of Zoonoids that consists of J.J. Uh, Walker, two other people, and Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman, he has, you know, we'll get to it, but he has a couple of really bad lines in this movie, but otherwise, he's pretty fucking good in this film. Oh, he's great. Jimmy Walker. Holy shit that I want to punch this guy in the face by the end of the movie. <laughs> He is just obnoxious the entire time. I love the fact that he exists because I like to tell people this movie has a rapping gremlin. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. 
We'll get to that. <laughs> Fucking Jar Jar Binks and Watto show up in the third act. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Fuck me. I didn't even like think of that. That's amazing. So uh, Sagawa's like, ah, I got the Giver and you can't have the Giver because it's bad. And if the Zoonoid Lord gets it, then, uh, you know, it, it's the end of the world. I like how it's like the Zoonoids are basically like, I'm a person who can turn into a predator. That's really bad. They can't get this Giver unit. That would be bad. How exactly is it that much worse than the situation we're already in? There's one Giver unit. There's thousands of these monsters. <laughs> yeah, well, the you know, Zoolord is the one that's going to possess the actual Giver unit, and then he'll be essentially unstoppable. I wonder how these guys all got together. Like, how did the Zoolord find these dudes? Like, did they always work together? Did they just fucking apply for a job? And then he told them, here's the secret how you turn into a crocodile. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I think it's implied that, like, they're either grown from birth, like you see later on in the movie, or because, I guess, this whole Zoonoid thing was done so long ago that it's just in the gene pool. Right, right. And I guess when you discover you can transform into a monster, they may track you down or something. Probably like how you'd handle mutants in the X-Men universe. The Zoolords have got fucking Cerebro in another room. Well, he's got that, like, implanted in his fucking head. Yeah, he does have, like, I don't know, like, loose telepathic powers that aren't really elaborated on, so who knows what he's capable of. Yeah. So, so Jimmy Walker catches uh, the Doctor... And he goes, where are you going, pencil neck? And so they, they catch him almost immediately. But uh, right before they catch him... He does a switcheroo with the Giver unit. Yeah, he puts it in a fucking lunchbox and then puts something else in the case. So uh, Sagawa's like, yeah, you can't have the fucking Giver. And then Watto just like comes up and takes the fucking case from him. And he's like, look, boss, I got it. Uh, you, oh, oh, Russian man? Yeah. His name's Ramsey. But we're going to call him Watto because I think that's fucking hilarious. So Ramsey's thing is that he can smell very good. That's his That's his monster ability. <laughs> well, not, a, not that great because he sniffs his fucking briefcase and he totally blows it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he knows what the guyver smells like, but that's whatever. When this guy transforms, he's like... A fucking elephant. He looks like Watto, man. He looks like Watto. Yeah, he looks like Watto. He has a big old shark's fin and a gross dangly nose. He's like an elephant shark. Yeah, and like the rest of him is like just lots of bullshit. I do love the monster designs in this movie. Oh, it's so good. Oh, they're great. Hands down, the best part of this movie is the creature design. All the effects are just like holy shit from the transformations to all of the the Giver, like the suit itself, like coming on and off of Sean. I actually have questions about the effects in this movie because some of the stuff. I saw was mind-blowing as far as how cool it looked for 1991. We have two of the greatest creature creators in the fucking world directing and doing the effects for this movie. Yeah, and so, like, as Sagawa was kind of doing his little defiance dance, like, he starts to transform into, like, a fucking fish man? Yeah, he's like... He transforms into, like, the Black Lagoon uh, creature. It's like Big Mouth Billy Bass. Berryman's character is named uh, Lisker, I believe. <laughs> he walks out of the van, he goes, yeah, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that guy that's in all those horror movies. Okay, yeah, sure. This movie is loaded with genre people, though. It's They're fucking everywhere. Oh, man, it's awesome. After Sagawa refuses to hand over the Giver, they decide to take it from him forcefully, and Lisker transforms, and his beast form is probably my favorite in the movie. He turns into this, like, big fucking predator-looking thing with a giant protruded skull that he uses to headbutt you with. Yeah, like if Predator fucked a rhino, that's what it would kind of look like. Uh, don't both of them have cool, like, different phase uh, close-up transformations in this sequence? Yeah, you see Sagawa's, like, hand, like, get webbed, and then, like, his face, like, shrinks and turns into, like, a fucking fish. And then uh, Michael Berryman, he, like, 
Sagawa goes to like hit him and he grabs his fucking arm. And I love the I love these shots where like the clothes rip off these people. Yeah. And there's just like creature coming out, like Wolfman on steroids kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah, but everything is everything is scaly and gross. Yeah, it's awesome. They both turn into you, you know their monster forms and they start fighting. And Michael Berryman crushes his fucking head. Yeah, as Jimmy Walker yells from the side, turn him into sushi. So I have a question. When I asked, I did ask you guys this before we started watching this movie. Um. There are two cuts of this movie floating around. I tried desperately to track down a director's cut. Couldn't find one. I have it. It's in a box. Yeah, I think the distribution for this was a little wonky. Um, this movie was cut down for a PG-13, and sometimes, especially here, and one other scene later on, it's extremely obvious they cut out some good red stuff because, like, the camera just slams away real clumsily to something else, and then you come back and something drops dead. There's a bunch missing, actually. I think it's really funny because... You attempted to chop this movie down to a PG-13 for, I guess, so kids could watch it. And even then, you're left with a movie that is horrifically gory throughout. Hey, I did. Well, they want to sell action figures, I would have to imagine. I watched the fuck out of this when I was a kid. Me too. But I can't imagine, like, that anyone would look at this and go, hmm... Yeah, this is totally for kids. Well, they made RoboCop action figures. Like, let's be real. Yeah. If they could market a fucking character that they thought would sell a toy, they're going to do it. It was a different time, though. I mean... I'm not saying that it's the case with this movie, but I, I wouldn't shock me. I don't argue with that logic, um, but when you watch it, you go, the cuts are poorly done, and it's just a questionable decision. Like, this is clearly designed from the start to be something that was really hard R and really graphic. Yeah. No, I could see that. At the end, they're like, nah. Yeah. Just cut that out. Oh, but leave the sequence where a human-sized body climbs out of somebody else's stomach well you kind of have to have that yeah it's essential for the plot so from there uh we go to the karate school or the hokkaido school not hokkaido hakido and we're introduced to Sean, and he's really bad. And this piece of shit Greg that he's fucking sparring with. Yeah, he's a real fucking dickbag. Yeah, both of them are kind of douches here, but on one hand, if you're Sean, you should be paying attention in your self-defense class. That's the difference between dying in an alley and, <laughs> and not dying in an alley. Oh yeah, no, I'm with you guys on that. You should also be paying attention like when you square up, you know what I mean? Like you're about to f- spar. If you're my sparring partner and you bloody my nose, I'm going to kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, he's not paying attention, so he kind of has it coming, but the way the guy reacts about it, like, yeah, you need to pay attention more, man. And then when he bloodies his nose, he's like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like, the guy's a dickhead. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, we'll find out later, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> So then we're introduced to Mitski, and she she comes in, and uh, I guess she's... I don't know what her role is at this school, if she's doing uh, Hakido or, or what... But she comes in, and she's, like, watching Sean or whatever, and he's like, hey, what's up, Mitski? Uh, so his attention is totally on her the whole time, like, when the teacher's talking and shit. Then, fucking Mark Hamill strolls through the door, sporting <laughs> his fucking bitchin' mustache, and he's like, hey, Mitski, your father's dead. He is unrecognizable in this movie. I love him in this movie. He looks like how I imagined Luke would look in The Last Jedi, just, like, fucking tired all the time with a stupid-ass mustache that he probably regrets growing. <laughs> constantly annoyed and just like putting his hands over his head. He's getting some of that fucking green milk in that mustache. His name's Max Reed and he's like a loose cannon cop who has been following this case and like working closely with Mitski's father. Yeah, he's been investigating the Kronos Corporation for reasons. He's like, I know it is monsters but nobody believes me. <laughs> what is he, Hextrum? <laughs> 
from fucking RuneStone. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thought I was crazy, but I was right the whole fucking time. Yep. I told you they have a Garver unit hidden in that building. I'll be the least crazy tonight. I saw a man turn into a fish man over by the river last night. Oh my god, I need some water. <laughs> The Zoinoid lead is gonna fucking kill you. Oh boy. Um. <laughs> so yeah, like you guys had said, like Mitski's crying and like Sean looks over and she's crying and it like distracts him and fucking Greg pops him in the fucking mouth and he goes down. And uh, the teacher's like, hey Sean, you're a fucking asshole. Get up. You should learn how to protect yourself and, and fucking listen to me when I'm talking to you in the class. So then they leave or Mitski leaves with, with uh, Max and... And Sean leaves and, like, follows them? Yeah. Yeah, and this is when you get that first time you get that weird transition where you get the Street Fighter sound effect. It, it, it literally goes, and then, like, a wipe. <laughs> yeah, and then it just says, Kronos Corporation. Fight? It's so fucking good. It, it's like the character select, right? When it goes, that's what it made me think of immediately. It sounds like someone just got an extra life. Yeah. They do it, like, three more times in the movie, and then every other transition, they just were like, eh. <laughs> Fuck it, we're not putting it in. Japan! So we go into Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, we're in, we go to the Cronus Corporation, that's when we meet David Gale for the first time in this movie, and, like, within seconds, he is just having the entire scene for lunch. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but he's just like, overacting to everyone and everything, uh, and Lisker brings him the suitcase. <laughs> Michael Berryman is hysterical in this scene. Oh, he's fucking great, man. He hands him over the suitcase, and he's like... Oh, good. You've got the Giver. I wouldn't want to hurt a hair on your pretty little head. And he's like tapping his scalp and... Yeah, it's creepy. It's awesome. He is... Ah, God, he's so fucking good. Yeah, I mean, for the select few out there that don't know who Michael Berryman is, he's completely bald. Okay, Michael Berryman is the scary, weird, long-eared, big-eyed dude you've seen in every horror movie from the 70s and 80s. He's like one of the main guys from the original Hills Have Eyes. He's on the poster. You know who he is. You'll know him as soon as you see him. You may not know his name, but he's very recognized. As is David, if you if you've ever seen Reanimator, you'll know exactly who David Gale is. Um, Doctor Hill, the guy who gets his head chopped off with a shovel and goes west. The rest of the movie. Uh, he's also in the Brain too, which might be one we want to do. I really like that movie. And he's basically just turning on that fucking Gale to eleven. He's doing that here. He opens the the briefcase and he just you don't see what he's looking at. And he goes, "What is this? Some kind of massacre?" joke my number one christmas boutique item and then michael berryman has the line of the movie looks the toaster in the suitcase and goes how did that get in there fucking and then david gale freaks out this is the first time we see this psychic power that he kind of has and there is so much forehead shit in this movie yeah i don't know what it is things are popping out of people's foreheads things are going into people's foreheads people are reaching their fingers into people's foreheads to pull things out of them a forehead thing gets eaten so this like little fucking eye opens up on david gale's head and he's like uh telepathically having michael berryman beat the shit out of himself yeah and like it really slapstick ways like he's literally slapping himself he's like punching himself in the jaw and then it culminates with him on the ground and his own hand is like pawing at his face and pulling his ears and he's screaming as if he's being burned with hot coals (laughs) it's so good and david gale goes oh you don't want to be slapping yourself all night do you yeah and then he says something about like if you don't bring me the guy you know i will have you slap yourself into oblivion <laughs> yeah slap yourself into oblivion i know this is a bit of a movie trope to have like the bad guy with the underling that just doesn't get appreciated but i was getting some heavy 
heavy, heavy Damodar Prothean fucking vibes during this. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because, you know, Damodar's bald. Michael Berryman's bald. Uh, Prothean's a, a raving lunatic. This guy's a raving lunatic. Yeah. You kind of almost hope, because of how cool his beast form is, like a bit of a Starscream thing, but it's not there at all. He just does what he's told. Yeah, instead of snakes things in his ears, he actually becomes a snake thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of? No, I know. He's like, a, he's like a, again, like he's like a fucking predator rhino. He basically tells Lisker to take his cronies out and go find the Guyver unit. You spend a lot of time in the first half of this movie in the same, like, three locations. They go to the river, they go back to the river, they go to the dojo, they go back to the river. Yeah, so Sean follows Max and Mitski to, to the crime scene, and I guess to identify her father, but he's like a melted puddle of fucking pudding. It should be established that when a Guyver or a Zonoi dies, they just turn to goop. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. They just dissolve. Like, the people in this stuff. Not the stuff. Uh, street trash. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like, they drink a fucking little pint of Viper. Yeah. <laughs> they just turn into a puddle of, of nothing. And they even, they even make a comment about that, because, like, later on, Max is like, I know the Cronus Corporation's evil, and someone else is like, dude, you showed us a corpse, and the corpse looks like it's a month old. We have nothing. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Right, because they're, you know, at the crime scene, there is, like, these two guys, the superiors to uh, Mark Hamill, and uh, they're basically, like Connor was just kind of saying, they don't believe a word that Max is saying. They're just like, okay, this doesn't prove anything that you've been saying. Like, you know, you need a better case than this to prove your point. And he's kind of just, like, down in the dumps about it. Meanwhile, Sean's kind of watching from, like, a, a higher vantage point, like, down the street. And he just happens to be, like, right next to where the Giver was left. Yeah, and he knows it because it's making noise from within this little lunchbox. It's kind of resonating, this little buzzing sound. We also find out that, like, Max was, like, part of the police force. And I don't know if these guys are, like, FBI or what. I was getting heavy men in black feeling the entire time. They seem like they're IA. Like, they're, they really seem like they're some kind of police official. Yeah. Well, they're totally in on it, too, and they're like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as monsters. Get out of here, you crazy guy. I spoke to my friend. He said there's no collusion. <laughs> Bye. Makes sense. I didn't say won't. I said wouldn't. I didn't say monsters. I said monsters. I was watching the monsters the other day. <laughs> And then I went down to the riverbed, and I saw this this fight scene. Grandpa's in the corner turning into a Zophanoid, or whatever the fuck they're called. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope you just keep mispronouncing that name throughout the rest of the podcast. Oh, I I have it written down, and I'll still mispronounce it. I'll try my best. He's like, then they turn into a Zoid. (laughs) And then they monstered. So Sean finds the, uh, he finds the Giver, and, um... Lister and his band of people are there, and they're and you know they're looking for it too. Um, so he grabs it, throws it in his backpack, and splits. By the way, we're in the middle of the fucking city. Did anybody else catch the fucking crickets chirping it up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In these night scenes, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, then it cuts to uh, Max. He's at Misky's uh, apartment, <laughs> and they're basically talking after the they had gone to the crime scene, and she gets a fucking knock at the door, and she doesn't. Let me tell you something. If I hear a knock at my door at 11 o'clock at night, I'm looking through the fucking peephole. I'm not just opening the damn door. Yeah, seriously. It's also, this movie takes place in L.A. Like, that could have easily just been, like, a shotgun in her face. Max is, like, rapping to her, like, well, your father was doing all this crazy shit, and he was telling me about this thing called the Giver. I don't know what the fuck it is, but uh, it seemed like some pretty heavy shit. And she's like, why would my father make a weapon? He's like, well, when they were making the atom bomb, they didn't know what they were doing either. And then John Hurt comes out of the closet, and he's like, he wanted bio-boosted armor, so I made bio-boosted armor. (laughs) 
Look, they asked for a doomsday weapon, so I made them the Buke Cannon, named after me. <laughs> Look at those Zonoids go! God, the, the images in my brain right now of, of that scenario happening, and I'm just picturing the fucking monster turning into one of these monsters. Like the monster turning into a monster. Okay. <laughs> Did you make me? No, it was the, the Zaphanoids. <laughs> it was the Zaphanoid. They came from Saturn and they made you and uh, I took credit for it. I'm doing the John Hurt voice, but it's actually should be Raul Julia, but we're just going to roll with it. Every time something unnatural happens in these movies you watch, just like pans over to John Hurt and he looks at the camera and goes, yes, I did it. And they pan back. Yes, as a matter of fact. I'm waiting for us to watch a movie that overtakes the insanity of Frankenstein Unbound, but until then, you're 100% right. <laughs> this wasn't Aliens, it was John Hurt. This is a movie about alien monster people fighting a bio-boost armor person. So it's big bag Beetleborgs, come on. Yeah, yeah, and that's more believable than fucking Frankenstein Unbound. I'm not arguing with that because I kind of agree. Frankenstein Unbound is like weird fan fiction written by some guy who is like, what if I slept with Mary Shelley? What if I slept with a zoonoid lady? What if I fucked the fish man? What would happen then? <laughs> I'll end up in a test tube too. Anyway, so yeah, Max is like talking to her and then Sean shows up at Misku's apartment. Yeah, well, what is with this scene? Like, did he just get miffed because he saw Mark Hamill there and he took it the wrong way? Like, I didn't really understand what happened there. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He was like, oh, you got company? Well, all right, bye. He said earlier, he's like, I'll offer you a ride home, which is weird because he drives a moped and, like, you're not fitting in a human being in that thing. And I guess he went to go check on it and then, like, Max is hiding in the closet, but there's a mirror, like, next to him, so Sean can see him plain as day. Oh, okay, I didn't process that. Yeah, like, right behind the door, yeah. I thought he was just in the other room, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Mark, Sam- Mark Hamill's like, that's a real lousy place for a mirror. As he's, like, flicking his cigarette and lighter, just, you know, every other cop trope he can think of. Yeah, fuck it. He even flicks it in Misky's apartment and starts a fire, she's not too thrilled about that. <laughs> oh my god, you know what I just thought of? This is the same character Mark Hamill plays in Sleepwalkers. Oh, my God. Like, that crooked, like, not, he's not crooked, but, like, that loose cannon cop. So, uh, Sean, <laughs> home on his moped, because that's what those things can do. They go, like, 30 miles an hour. Then we get a scene with Lisker, Jimmy Walker, and Watto just kind of trying to find the Giver to no success. And Jimmy Walker goes up to this fucking homeless guy laying on a mattress and just picks him up and throws him into all this garbage. Yeah, he's like, it's checkout time or whatever. And then there's, like, another dude like, why are they bothering these homeless people? Yeah, like, oh, did you see the Giver? They're like, oh, guy, well, what? They don't even know what it looks like. He even says it. I don't have a TV. I can't watch MacGyver. <laughs> so then we go back to Sean, right? And he's in he's in the alleyway. Yeah, this is when his moped breaks down. Yeah, it, like, takes his shit. And this guy comes out. He's like, hey, 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 what's up with you? What's up with your bike, man? You got, you see a problem? You want me to help with that or something? And he's like, fuck off, man. Let me reiterate. A 1990s Ninja Turtle uh, street thug materializes out of thin air. Oh, this is the guy giving out the cigarettes at the fucking Foot Clan hideout. <laughs> that was, actually, that was Sam Rockwell, but close enough. They're basically like, if, if Bulk and Skull had friends, these are their friends. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, Sean's continued to be a dick. Like, this dude's just like, hey, man, I'm helping moped. And Sean's like, fuck off, man. And then, like, jumps into a karate pose. And he's like, I'm gonna karate you, man. Back off. (laughs) And the guy starts calling him, hey, hey, look, 
It's Mr. Kung Fu! It's the Kung Fu Man! He's like, it's Kung Fu Man! I'm gonna Aikido you so hard! Uh, and then the rest of his, uh, his gangbanger friends step out of the shadows, and one of them is the douchebag who knocked him out in the dojo. Yeah, fucking Greg. The guy Greg comes out, and he's like, he's like, ain't no mats out here, homeboy! I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> They're like, oh, you know this guy? He's like, yeah, I kicked his ass. We threw down a few or some shit like that. Some hokey-ass shit. And then Sean adapts this ridiculous karate pose that I don't understand what he's doing because his entire body's open. Like, he's just, he's got one arm curved above his head, the other arm out asking for a dollar. Well, he never pays attention in class, so there you go. He looks like Scorpion, the way he poses in Mortal Kombat, was that one arm up all the time. Uh, so Sean, obviously, naturally, expectedly, gets his ass handed to him for a couple minutes. Oh, yeah. Then his fucking fidget spinner falls out of his pocket and falls on his face. Yeah, they, like, kick him on the ground and it, like, flips out in front of him and then they're, like, stomping him into the fucking ground and his head lands, like, forehead first into this fucking thing. And it, uh... Okay, this fucking sequence is so good. This is so cool looking because I'm not really sure how they did it. He, like, flips over and the unit's, like, over his head and, like, the ball, like, sinks into the Giver unit and, like, goes into his fucking head. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, that was a, that whole head was, like, fake, and there was, like, real arms holding it. I think it was, because, like, what happens after this, like, defy, if you're, because it happens so fast, it looks like it just defies physics. Okay, so there's a lot of, like, reverse motion stuff in this, so, like, all of those tendrils that, like, come out of the Giver unit and, like, wrap around his head and shit, yeah, that's all shot backwards, so they actually pulled that in and then just reversed it. It looks so good. Because this, this, this shit just comes out of this fucking thing and starts to envelop Sean whole body yeah and he's like he's like all like melty looking for a little while as like the shit like bonds to him and like essentially it's like a wound healing into this armor like all over his body yeah i kind of love the concept of the guyver armor itself because like you're basically it's like a it's alien mucus that turns into a super suit (laughs) yeah it's fucking cool it's it's slime that makes you almost indestructible. The entire time he's transforming, though, the this group of fucking badasses are just standing there watching this happening, and it's just it's just like okay, I'm I'm okay with that, so he can kick their ass. But realistically, I'd be the fuck out of there the second that that thing started coming out of the the Giver. Dude, you would run because this is it is legitimately disgusting and horrifying. The one guy's like, he's sick, man. Don't touch him. Like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, like, why did you stand there and watch this happen? Were you that enamored? I also, after he stood back up and suddenly had pointy things coming out of him, I'd be like, all right, everybody can go now. It's time to go. It's time to leave. Yep. I didn't park here. So they push this one guy forward. He's like, kick his ass, man. He's like, you're dead, dude. And he, like, goes to throw a punch, and he fucking throws him, like, into the fucking alley wall. That's his main fucking move. All these throws are accompanied by a sound effect of, like, a jet taking off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as much as this guy fights with his fists and his feet, like... His main fucking attack is, hey, I'm going to pick you up and throw you into a wall, okay? Yeah, he does it a lot. And every time he moves his arms, like, even in the slightest motion, it's like... <laughs> yeah, he gets little kung fu sounds. Well, he gets he gets uh these badass blades that come out of, like, the shoulder blade that he's not totally sure how to use. No, his elbows. Right, right, his elbows. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. Remember how I said the sequel does everything better? The sequel actually sees him fight with those actively all the time. Oh, yeah. In really interesting ways. Like, at some point, he is just dicing someone up with those things expertly. To be fair, like, I don't think he really knows how to use the suit yet. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, he looks awkward as shit the first, like, 
fight scene and a half. Yeah. Well, it's also shown in the second one too, right? It is. Sh- well, it's it's played by David Hayter. Yeah, I know, but like it's the same character. It's so jarring to hear that voice come out of like a real human being. Corey can love Blossom at a, bl- at a battlefield. He beats the shit out of all these guys, and he goes to like almost killed the fucking one dude with the with the elbow blade and he like pulls a fucking the dude pulls a gun on him and starts like shooting him and we find out that it's totally bulletproof the guy that harasses him originally just pulls nunchucks out of his fucking shirt and he starts whipping him around like john claude van damme and then they fly out of his fucking hand and he's like "Ah, ah, whoops and then he just pulls out a fucking knife here here's the thing i will say this movie has a lot of the the sequel does not and that's bad comedy. I will be the first to concede this movie's got bad comedy. It's hokey. Without the comedy, I might actually like this movie, but the comedy is so fucking bad, it just kills the whole movie for me. No, that's... See, and that's... That is why I know that you will like the sequel a lot better, because all of this was excised. I'm fine with it. So, yeah, Sean sees himself after he, like, knocks this dude down and tries to kill him in, like, the reflection of a, like, a hubcap or some shit this guy picks up to defend himself. He's like, yeah, okay, Mr. Robocop, here we go. And sees himself as a big, giant, uh, spiky, uh, a bug Power Ranger, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he he looks like fucking Kamen Rider. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about the design of this suit too much, and I kind of want to now. It is cool as shit. Oh, yeah. It's got these two little, like, little vents on his face that basically, like, that push out steam or smoke or fucking air like as soon as the suit like powers up or sometimes when he's actually like showing any kind of like anger or, or, or rage the lenses on the uh on the eyes like kind of they they flick up and down kind of in different like l- layers yeah, it looks fucking cool man it is cool as shit he's got that big old ball from the original guy over unit is the middle of his forehead and then he has two additional balls on the side of his head that actually move left and right and they act like extra eyeballs so he can see out of them and then he has this big old spike coming out of the middle of his forehead well it's like a it's like a beetle horn basically yeah it's awesome looking and then we said he's got these spikes that come out of his elbows that he can fight people with yeah the translation from from the anime is like it looks so fucking good and in between like the 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 plates of armor is like flesh and muscle so like this thing looks gross that's the whole thing that's what i love about it i'm pointing out all the things i didn't like about this movie but i can't say enough good things about the way this costume looks and how all the monsters look it's just you can't watch this movie and and fucking not think that i mean i'm sure there's some people out there that look oh they look like they're in rubber suits but dude like they look really good yeah here and here's the thing with the rubber suit thing like i doubt these people who say that ever worn a rubber suit and then went and filmed an entire fight sequence where you're like you're beating the shit out of somebody else that too this and the sequel have fight sequence where you're like that is incredible for two people to be doing this kind of uh action sequence in this lumbering outfit oh absolutely and like some of these dudes like uh, like two of the guys later in the movie have these monster suits that just look oppressive some of these designs later are like what what the fuck did you do there yeah there's one in particular we'll talk about when we get there so sean like screams and the suit gets sucked back up into his into his body and the way that they do this they like the camera like zooms out really fast or zooms in really fast rather and the fucking plating just like separates from his body it's really fucking cool and it's all practical and all of it kind of like the way this armor goes in and out is that it kind of shrinks down and because it's organic and just can it just changes shape uh, and kind of sucks back into two little glands in the back of his neck. And then he just goes home. We go back to... Kronos Corporation. Yeah, the Kronos Corporation. And David Gale's in there. He's, like, he's like making fucking dinner. He's got his fucking little toaster and all. The fucking toaster that Lister, like, brought him. He's, like, got it on his fucking table, and he's, like, about to have breakfast. He's got, like, a fucking napkin in his shirt and shit. And uh, Lister comes back, and he's like, oh, we couldn't find it. And uh, 
He's like, he's so, he pulled the switch on us and he's like, you come back here and all you have is, he pulled a switch. And then he's like, get the fuck out there and go get, oh, he's like, oh, uh, she had a daughter. And he's like, all right, we'll get the fuck out there and get the daughter. I want everybody involved in this to, to be kidnapped and bring him back to Kronos and we'll question him or what have you. And then it's fucking, the, this toast like pops up out of the toaster and it's fucking on fire and he just like smacks the fucking toaster like all pissed off. He's like, damn! He is so mad about this garbage toaster burning his bread. Like, what did you think was going to happen, my man? This gar- this garbage toaster that was brought to him in place of the thing that he really, really, really fucking needs. He's clearly like a fucking billionaire. Like, why do you need that? He was like, well, somebody brought me a toaster. I might as well use the toaster. <laughs> he shops at thrift stores and stuff, even though he's like a multi-billionaire. Yeah, he's Mick Foley. <laughs> He looks at the toaster, he's like, well, it'd be a shame to waste a good gift. I'm telling you, man, it's your number one Christmas boutique gift item. Sean, he wakes up in the morning, and he pulls, like, a Peter Parker. He's, like, looking in the mirror at his body, like, huh, huh, I look pretty fucking good, huh? Then, um, you get this quick scene where Max is back at the police station being harangued by those two guys again. And he's just kind of like, you know, I'm so close to solving this case. Like, you guys, I don't know why you don't believe me at all. Like, it's starting to get a little ridiculous, but I got to do my job. And they're just like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And they say something that, like, sparks something in him. But I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't know if you guys wrote that down or remember. Um, I believe it's something like... There's no body, there's nothing missing, or what have you, from the place. And um, he insinuates something like that has to do with uh, Sagawa's daughter, uh, Mitsuki. Max has like an epiphany, and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got it, well, see ya. And he jumps in his fucking uh, convertible and speeds off, and the guy's like, tail that man, 24 hours a day. Right, and then you have a scene where where Sean goes to Mitsuki's apartment, and she now tells him, like, oh, I'm sorry about yesterday. Uh, I just want to tell you my father's dead. You know, he knows this already, but he just kind of plays along. He's like, oh, you know, that's so sad. You know, I'm here for you. Ask me anything you want. She gets another knock at the door. Again, doesn't check the peephole, just opens it. Yeah. And it's uh, it's the uh, Aikido instructor. So I, I guess they're friends. I, you know, it's never really explained other than the you know, they hang out. She's dropping off like a big stack of fucking folders. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. I can only imagine there was a subplot that got cut for either time or money, or maybe it just didn't, it slowed the film down too much. I guess. Uh, and then Sean's like, oh, I gotta go. Uh, I, I tell you what, I, I'll, I'm gonna go get some food, and then I'll be back. And she's like, okay. So he leaves, and on his way out, he sees fucking Ramsey and Stryker coming in. Dressed as, like, moving men? Or, like, what the fuck are they? <laughs> yeah, they look like handymen or whatever. And he goes and gets the food. Then, there's this random scene with Lisker and his girlfriend in the van. Yes! <laughs> I guess just to establish that they're a thing for later when something else happens. But they're just sitting there, like, bullshitting, and Lisker's like, oh, I got to get the Giver and his girlfriend's like, ah, we've been working all day. Can we talk about something else? Why can't we just relax? And he's like, yeah, you know what? You got a point. I'm going to take you to Brazil. Would you like that? She's like, oh my God, that would be amazing. He's like, can I go shopping? He's like, yeah, we can go shopping. She's like, ah. I love the sequence because it reminds me of that weird scene from Lawnmower Man. When uh, Angela's wife comes up and she's she's like, you never take me to the city. It's like, why is that a fucking deal breaker? <laughs> also, he just said, we're going to Brazil. And your next your follow up is like, Brazil. But can we go shopping? Like, you're going to Brazil. Who cares what you do? Yeah. Slam cut to fucking nighttime. 
Sean's coming back and he's walking up the fucking alley to get into the apartment complex and Stryker and, and Ramsey are like coming out of the, the uh, place with like something wrapped in a rug. And he goes upstairs and he like knocks on the door and it just like opens and the fucking place is trashed. And he finds the fucking uh, Hikido instructor just fucking slain on, on a couch. Oh, she's been ravaged. There's blood on the walls if you like look. So he runs downstairs and they're still loading her into the van. And oh yeah, like Max is there too all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, because he has that, like we said, he has that little epiphany about going to see the daughter again and he kind of rolls up. Yeah, but right before that, Sean like grabs these two bottles that were on the side of the road to fucking... Because these guys, Stryker and Ramsey are like in the back of the van that they're like loading her uh, Mitski into and he grabs these two bottles. He's about to crack them over the head with it. Fucking Max rolls up. And he's like, hey, how you doing, fellas? And then fucking Sean comes out of the shadows and just cracks these dudes in the fucking head with these bottles. Sean's like, all right, I got Mitski. So they grab her out of the back of the van and they, like, run off. Yeah, and then Lisker's like, "Oh shit. And he, he gets out of the van and then all of them are chasing Max, Mitski, and Sam down this fucking alleyway. Oh, and this is where they, they basically say, like, hey, no transformations because we're in public. Yeah, and Jimmy Walker immediately ignores that. Yeah, the chase goes a little longer and he's like, screw this, starts running. And I do love this sequence because they they were filming him running and then they kind of cut to his arms kind of moving back and forth and then one arm goes back and then when it comes back into view he's got like uh, claws yeah and then like his face starts transforming as he's running yeah and like it's as he's passing like there's obstacles that are passing in front of him they're obstructing his view for just a split second and every time he comes out of one he's got new monstrous features and then like his clothes all shred off him and he is just he turns into a big giant flavor flav looking fucking gremlin well it's like jar jar binks fucked a gremlin i mean that's what it is <laughs> yeah pretty much that's what it looks like it's got these big old flappy ears he's covered in like little spots he's got chains hanging from his neck <laughs> So he jumps this fucking wall, and he, like, lands. <laughs> I actually, I love this sequence. I'm glad you do, because I hated it. <laughs> he, like, lands in a fucking scene that's being shot for a film, and fucking Linnea Quigley is there, and he drops down, and she's just screaming. And he's like, whoa, shh, cool it, baby. He's like, relax, relax. And the fucking director's like, cut, what the fuck? He's like, no, 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 look. You're the monster. She's the she's the chick that needs to scream. You're scary. She, you know, she's not. you're not scared of her, you dumb fuck. I also want to note that this is like some dime storm Steven Spielberg fucking knockoff. It is the lower tier version of the Mortal Kombat gag. Where Johnny Cage like is like walks off set and they have like of what I found out was an accidental casting. It was just some dude they got who looks exactly like Steven Spielberg and sounds like him too. And that's when he's like, You can't kill me, Johnny, I'll come back direct in traffic. Don't do this to me, Johnny. But this dude, yeah, he's got like the big sunglasses, got a fucking hat on and like the bomber jacket or some shit like that, and he's like, Look, you're scary. She's scared of you, right? I don't know who did your your effects, but you look fantastic. <laughs> your makeup looks great, babe. Here, here you go. Uh the rest of the the rest of the Zonoid troop like jumps over the wall and like, what the fuck? Striker, get the fuck over here. And they grab him and he leaves, and then the director turns around around and oops here's a gag that's not the real monster this is oh yeah like there's the actual monster actor with like his he his headpiece off just staring confused i i will say that part of the bit i thought was funny only because of how shitty they made that guy's costume look in comparison yeah. <laughs> what's with all the giant fish yeah he just looked yeah yeah he looked like a fucking street shark for god's sake it was like <laughs> it was like a giant marlin monster or some shit so they get this warehouse and Lisker's finally like, fuck it, everybody transforms. Uh, so we, everybody gets to turn their beast forms, and Lisker's girlfriend turns into, like, the fucking creature from pod people? She looks like the fucking ape 
monkey thing from Pirates of Dark Water. Now you know what you know what she kind of looks like. I just literally thought of this. She looks like the fucking like sidekick from Jingle All the Way, like the big pink guy. Booster. We don't like you, Booster. Fucking like a skinnier, more like freaky looking version. I think she's interesting looking because she's the only one in the movie who's not like a scaly beast. Yeah, she's like a. She looks. She looks almost like a like a like a monkey griffin thing. Yeah, she's this big like hairy design. Um, like a monster parakeet almost. Like she's got the beak and everything. My pet monster. So they they run into this warehouse and attempt to hide. And uh, from outside, like two more dudes pull up. And I kind of like how they handle this because you don't know who they are. And they turn a corner and go, "All right, let's do it." And then like some fucking noise happens and they turn the corner and they're both Zoonoids as well. Well, also to note, we do know who they are. They're the two guys that are working above Max. So you kind of finally get confirmation that they were bad guys the entire time. Yeah, the, the, the police department has been compromised by the Zoonoids. And let me tell you one thing right now. This one dude has the most ridiculous transformation in the fucking movie. His head looks like a goddamn fish, and the rest of his body just looks normal. It's weird as fuck. Oh, wait, you mean the Kremlin? The guy from Dunk... The enemies from Dunk Gun Country too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. He's like a fucking alligator Komodo dragon-looking motherfucker. He has this big old body and this itty-bitty little head that sits on top of this massive frame. It's like a fucking sea bass sticking out of the neck. And that fucking bug guy? Yeah, he turns into kind of like a bug-looking dude with like little bits of hair sticking out of his head. And he's kind of purple. And he goes... <laughs> At the very least, the monster designs don't get redundant. Uh, and everyone looks pretty unique. And then, like, they all kind of meet up, and Lister's like, Ah, the whole team's here! <laughs> I love everybody's fucking dialogue when they're monsters, because it's all oddly exaggerated, and they have these little modulation effects to them. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Even even Sean has it, too, when he's the Giver. So, they go in there, and uh, Stryker's upstairs looking around for them, and Mark Hamill and Sean and Mitzgear are hiding up there, and Ramsey's is, like, underneath... And he's, like, sniffing for him, and he's like, Ugh, girl. And he's like, I smell them. They're up there. And, he, and Stryker's like, There's nobody up here, man. And he's like, No, I'm telling you. And then, some for whatever reason, they give themselves away, and Stryker, like, runs after them. Well, I think Max shoots at him or something. At least that's how I thought it went down. Yeah, Stryker, like, runs after them, and then, like, goes for Max. And Ma- he, like, pops him, like, four or five times, and he goes flying over the fucking railing and falls on his face. Yeah, Stry- Stryker's job in this movie is to quip and... And then get fucking thrown on his ass. I thought for sure he was dead. I, I don't think he lands like a significant offensive blow the entire film. He just gets thrown around. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. He's pretty fucking uh, resilient for getting shot, and then his fucking spine cracked in a couple seconds. I know. And be and because of how kind of, like insufferable he comes across as, every time there's a shot of him being thrown to some shit, I really laughed. <laughs> it's satisfying, isn't it? Well, especially since there's other characters that literally just get thrown off screen and they're never seen again. And actually, it's I'm glad you mentioned that because coming up is another another sequence that was cut. Yeah, the Zoonoids kind of bear down on them. Uh, Mark Hamill also gets fucking wrecked by one of these dudes. It gets tossed into like a, uh, a support beam, like shoulder first. It looks really painful. Yeah, his fucking back is broken. Uh, uh, well, in addition to the creature effects, the stunt work in this movie is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's choreographed really well. Everybody's like, everybody gets tossed into like some kind of bullshit like a computer or a fucking wall or boxes. <laughs> everything. Like, people just eat shit the whole time. Lisker's girl takes uh, Misky, and then Sean's like, bah! Right, he gets super pissed because she, her life is now, like, threatened, like, straight up, and he gets this big fucking zit on his neck, and he, and he gets up, and he, like, stands there, and he goes, I am the Giver! And this fucking badass effect comes in where all the pieces, like, shoot out of his fucking body. Dude, this looked, I, I think I rewound this, like, two or three times because the way it's 
film, the way it looks, is really cool. Because they shoot out, it slows down for, like, maybe a second, and you get to actually see this clear shot of, like, what could be human, what could be a dummy, um, with all the armor pieces, like, extended out around him on these little gross, muscly tendons, and then they slap to his body. Yeah, it's totally him. I think they, like, undercranked the camera again and then shot it, like, backwards, and then just sped it up. It is so cool looking. And then you get shots of all the individual plates again landing on his body and, like, fusing together. Uh, the vents on his face shoot out some air again. I don't know why I think that's so cool looking, but it is. Well, you, well, you get this really badass scene followed by Jimmy Walker... Rapping horribly, mind you. The guy been jiving thing to show. I've been looking high. I've been looking low. Shut the fuck up, JJ. Please. You know, right after he, he finishes his little ditty, the Giver just kicks the shit out of him. Striker runs at the Giver, who then just picks him up by the waist and tosses him like a hundred feet into the air. Like even his peers are like, you know what? We should just kill this fucking guy. Like he's a disgrace to all of us. Then they always send him in first, too. They're like, yeah, go ahead, you take care of it. Because they're probably counting on him to get his ass kicked to get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he'll die one of these days. Then then the two fucking cop, uh, you know, undercover cop guys get killed, like, one after another. So, yeah, this this weird dude with the tiny head runs up to Sean. Now, in the director's cut, Sean grabs him and tears his arm off by the shoulder and, like, kind of abuses him for a couple seconds and then throws him through that wall. Yeah. Okay. That makes a little more sense because he just goes head first into a wall, and I'm just thinking that fish head is done. Yeah, because you see the ha- you see him grab his arm, you hear the arm come off, you don't see it, and then Sean tosses him. It's a sloppy cut. Yeah. Well, well, then Watto comes at fucking the Giver, and he gets the shit beat out of him, and then uh, Jimmy Walker's on the side, and he picks up a piece of debris, and he's like playing with it like it's a ninja star. It's a saw blade. Oh, is that what? It- okay. Well, he takes this fucking saw blade and he throws it at Sean. And he just totally whiffs it and hits the other fucking cop zoonoid in the head and just brains him. Fucking bug guy gets split in half his fucking head. And he's like, oh, sorry, man. And he's like, oh, it was an accident. And fucking Michael Berryman's just like, Striker, you idiot. <laughs> Striker, you did this to me. <laughs> it was you, wasn't it? Uncle Lister. So this fight goes pretty much in the direction of the guy for a minute and then, like, We've seen Michael Berryman transform. We haven't seen him fight yet. Well, he kind of crushes dude's head in the beginning. They fight a little bit. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of setting up the fact that, like, he is... Top-tier motherfucker. Yeah, he is, like, the heavy unit, basically. Um, he transforms, and everyone's like, fucking get him, Lisker. And, like, as he's walking towards Sean, like, the fucking screen is shaking, and there's sound effects all to make him seem really heavy. And then Lisker beats the fuck out of Sean. <laughs> Not really. Sean whoops his ass first. Well, yeah, Sean starts to whoop his ass, but then um, they he kind of, because he's not really protecting himself, Lisker walks up and gives a monstrous headbutt right to the, the core unit on Sean's head. And that's the unit's only weakness. Yeah, Sean's like whooping his ass, and then like I think Sean grabs him by the head and headbutts him, and but he but the the metal piece like the sphere it hits uh, Lister's like big fucking bump on his head, the big bony bump, and then it like you know he starts wavering and shit, and like you know that's his weakness, like you said. Well, yeah, and it's it's like Sean probably would have won if the rest of the goons didn't just decide, oh shit, Lister might lose, let's grab him, and then they all you know get around and start beating him up. It's like five on one. And he just gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, and Sean's like immediately disoriented. Because um, if you hit that, it, and on the second movie, they established if that unit, if that little piece is damaged, 
Your entire suit is compromised, and if you continue to use it, you will die horribly. It's durable, but it's not designed to take a whole lot of beat uh, to p punishment. Uh, I think, like, and like you said, this suit is like a prototype, which makes sense because, the, like, the suit's only weakness being dead center of the forehead is like a, a very weird design flaw. Yeah, you you should be able to protect your fucking head. You know what I mean? The suit's like, hey, man, I'm doing everything else. Can you help me out? And and the sequence actually is a tease for one of the suits. Uh, grander abilities, but we'll get to that in a, in a couple seconds. Uh, so, yeah, Sean's all disoriented in the zone, always just beat the shit out of him, uh, and he tries to regain his composure, and he sees Lisker's girl monster kind of holding Miski, and he uses, like, one of his second eyes to kind of do, like, a Hail Mary rescue attempt, and now this is where something was cut, and this is why the sequence looks confusing as shit in this copy. Uh, he spins to the air, and he slashes the shit out of Lisker's girlfriend, and blood shoots everywhere. And the way it's filmed originally is it looks like he gets both Miski and the, the monster. So they both drop, and he's like, holy shit, I just killed both. Yeah, they, they cut it down like that whole gory bit when he fucking elbow blades her. So then you just, you like, it, he lands and two people fall down, and like, there's a bit of blood, and you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, <laughs> you don't even, you don't even see the contact. It, it's a hard cut, too. So then they go over and they start beating the shit out of him, and he's just like, he thinks he's just killed Miski, so he's just like, totally defeated and he's like oh my god what have i done okay because i just thought he was upset because he actually killed somebody i wasn't even realizing that it could be something in that vein that's why he just gets his ass kicked because he's completely out of the fight well lisker gets on top of him and just pummels the shit out of him yeah beats the crap out of him and then lisker reaches into his forehead and yanks the core unit out <laughs> yeah but right before that his chest starts to open up and we see this like fucking light coming out and you're like what the fuck is that in time of, of life-threatening situations, the suit has, a, like, a fucking doomsday weapon built into it. But he doesn't get to use it here, because as the light's emanating from his chest, Lisker tears the unit out before it can really set off. And then Sean fucking <laughs> has blood shoot out of his little vents, he has goop come out of his forehead, and then he dissolves into a puddle of green shit. And then they leave! And Lisker's like, the Giver? <laughs> no big deal. That's it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost fucking got your ass kicked, pal. One lucky headbutt, not from you. So then we smash cut to David Gale, and he's, like, caressing Mitski, and it's really creepy. <laughs> he's, like, rubbing his lips, and then he, like, touches her lips with the same fingers. It's, like, so creepy. I turned away and didn't see, like, him touching his lips and just turned back to, like, fingers caressing Mitski's face, and I was like, <sighs> it's David Gale, isn't it? Oh, it's even grosser, yeah. And he's like, hey, I uh, can kind of see your boob there. Are you awake or what? Well, you know, he caresses her and basically sexually abuses her. And then he tries to be like her buddy for like 30 seconds. And then when she doesn't comply, he's like, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And he just like grabs her and forces her to walk around this fucking laboratory. He tries a diplomatic attempt for a few seconds. And he's like, I'm evil. Fuck this. Gives her the grand tour. And he's like, look at all these things and these glass tubes. Oh, yeah. The, uh, so he takes her to the birthing chamber. And this is kind of where you get another lore dump about the Zoonoids. Like, they, it looks like they are grown from birth. Or it's still kind of it's still kind of foggy here. Yeah. Again, what was the point of the intro credit scroll if they're gonna have this scene? He goes into it a little bit deeper here. He's like, he's like, oh, the you know, I guess you're right. It's like kind of like the same fucking thing. He says something. Yeah, I mean, he does go in a little bit more detail. I'll, I'll say that much. He says something like, oh, you know, werewolves, vampires, you know, stuff from like old folk tales. Like that's what the Zoonoids actually were. 
And he goes, huh, imagine if this was in the White House. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, you don't even know, man. I think that's the coolest part of the Zoonoid lore is that they can explain away lycanthropy by saying, like, no, this has been with the human race for as long as they've been around. That's what it was. And that reports of werewolves and vampires and everything else is like, is like, no, it's a result of genetic fuckery. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of into that concept. Uh, these tests have been going on for how, you know, forever essentially. And humans are like like the main building block for all these crazy fucking creatures. Yeah, I, I like the I like the idea that humans were made as like basically long-form test subjects for bioweapons. And it's kind of like it's one of the more interesting things I like about Prometheus is that like you had these very advanced species came to Earth and was like well, it's rife for life, so let's plant some. Yeah, yeah basically. Well, we're, we're essentially the catalysts for all this stuff like without our bodies, none of this mutant shit works, you know? Yeah, exactly. They couldn't get from A to B without, like, you know, a a, a human host. Which is why, like, I want to watch the... I want to watch the anime, because I want to know what the Giver's uh, actual purpose and uh, use is, because, like... Is it similar to Prometheus where they made us and they go, oh, well, fuck these things. They're terrible. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm guessing it's not too far off from the from the main idea here. Do they make the Zoonoids and go like, oh, Jesus, what did we do? <laughs> Let's make something to kill these things. So, yeah, he's giving her the grand tour and he shows her the birthing chamber and it's kind of like she gets close to one and it leans in and goes, kill me! Fucking Ripley, Ripley's there. Like, she's like half alien monstrosity clone. <laughs> So then he takes her to the laboratory, and uh, <laughs> we have a reanimator uh, reunion. Oh, it's so good! <laughs> Fucking Jeff Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs rolls up, and he's and David Gale's like he's playing the same fucking part too. He's playing Doctor East. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Uh, and he's dweeby, and he's sucking up to David Gale, uh, which is kind of an inverted version of their relationship for reanimator. It's very entertaining. Uh, and there's a couple other like laboratory schmucks sitting around there. Yeah, none of them. None of them are important except for Doctor Ease. Let's be real. They're all fodder to be slapped uh, to be slashed apart coming up. So as he's giving the tour, they kind of pull Mister Kronos aside and tell him um, that uh, this core unit they pull from the Giver is doing some weird shit. And they think it might be growing, and they think it might be cloning itself more or less into a new Giver unit. And he is like a pig in shit. He is like over the moon when he hears this. He's like, oh, thank God, now we're going to have this machine. It's going to be great. Meantime, Max is also now stuck up in some tube. Luke's right back in that Batka tank, man, straight up. The Zoa Lord basically implies that he's in the middle of the process of becoming a Zoanoid. And then uh, David Gale's like, look, you know, tell me how it works or, or, you know, I'll make a deal with you. Like, I'll let Max out if you tell me how the Giver works. And she's like, well, it works like this. And then kicks him right in the dick. And then tries to run away. She yeah, she takes she smashes the chamber holding uh uh the Giver core unit and then threatens to drop into a garbage disposal. A garbage disposal that that's how we meet Dr. East. He's shoving some like rejected mutated zoonoid into this like horrible disposal unit. It's like an acid bath or some shit. So she threatens to drop this thing into the uh whatever the hell this thing is. Then everybody transforms and Jeffrey Combs turns into like a fucking goat dragon. <laughs> With the glasses staying on. Yeah, it's so good. The other guy's got the fucking apron on still <laughs> the bugman you know i'm sorry okay you mean baxter stockman yeah basically yeah he, he turns into a fly more or less and then as miscue's threatening to drop this thing like the fucking gooey tentacles that came from sean's head uh are wrapping around her hand uh and getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah and striker's like don't worry about it i'll get it and he like goes to swipe it and david gale almost has a fucking stroke <laughs> And then she goes to like throw this into the into the the acid pool or whatever, and it's stuck to her fucking hand from all like the stringy shit. 
And David goes like, get the unit. And Stryker like smacks it out of her hand and it goes zipping across the fucking room down Jeffrey Combs' fucking throat. And then the carnival music starts playing. Yes. Lisker walks up and shoves his entire arm down his throat. And he's like, I can't get it. It's stuck in there. He falls down. He's like, it's growing. Get it out of me. Then the most eye-rolling scene of the movie happens. A fucking fin comes out of the center of this guy's body and the Jaws fucking theme plays for three or four seconds. It's the elbow blade. Sean's elbow blade pops out of this dude's chest and then slices him down. I didn't want to call it like it was, but oh, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) The Jaws theme does play. Uh, It it kind of slices along and goes... Sean is reborn in full Guyver suit, coming out of uh, Jeffrey Combs' innards. Born again. He's reanimated. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. He's just pulling these fucking fleshy things off him the whole time. Yeah, and then it's basically just like, Sean like, I'm gonna kick everybody's fucking ass here. He's like, okay, now I mean business, and just proceeds to wreck shop. Yeah, Lister's like, I killed you once, I'll kill you again. He's like... I can't die. I, I've i been rejected by death. Yeah. He starts beating the shit out of people. He tosses Ramsey into some kind of... He tosses him back into the fucking back tank and he explodes. Lisker tries several times to fight him and just gets tossed over railings into computers. He gets... He gets thrown through the fucking Spanish announce table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. He's going off the top ropes. My God, my God, that killed him. That killed him. Somebody else, uh, I believe, I can't remember what happens to the other laboratory laboratory goon. I don't know, but he's running around like the fucking, uh, the guy that makes the putties in Power Rangers. He's like, oh, God, uh, Finster. <laughs> yeah, it is. Everybody's clawing at the air and doing lots of Power Rangers uh, monster motions. Bug guy gets it, but I forget how. Well, at some point, Sean breaks Mark Hamill out of the uh, the tube, and then him and Miski go to run away, and they kind of have, like, their B story like for, like, five minutes where they're kind of fending off this cockroach-looking dude. See, I don't need the, any of that. It's just too much. This this movie has bad comedy, and this is part of it, um, because it's just, it's, it's one, it's a useless-looking monster that can't even go up the stairs. But that's kind of funny, but then, like, they just keep cutting back to the same thing over and over again. And then, and then like, that monster's disposed because Miski picks up what is believed to be a two-ton microscope because she's having a real hard time holding this thing. Yep, and then oops upside the fucking head. Bonks him on the head, and he, and he falls over accompanied with a, uh, a tree falling down sound effect. All this is happening while Sean is just being a one-man killing machine. I also want to state, and I hate to keep picking on the music in this movie, but like this entire fight scene, which is pretty badass I'll say, besides the part that you guys just talked about, and there's just a really horrible, like, cheap-ass music playing over it. I like the music. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. I like the I like, I like the, the Giver theme that like, doon, 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 like with the fucking industrial sound effects in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, but the fight see music uh, i don't know not for me finally sean and lisker go at it and holy shit sean fucking brutalizes this dude it's so satisfying he like they fight and like lisker is just losing this fight from the get-go and then at some point sean just kicks him in the kneecap and that is the beginning of the end because his leg snaps like a twig yeah he fucking first he's like he's lisker has him from behind and he's like stabbing the fuck out of him with his elbow blade turns around fucking breaks this motherfucker's knee and then just grabs him by the front of his fucking uh skull dome and rips 
his fucking head open. Yeah, he starts to dig into his head with his hands and manually rips apart his skull and brain. It's amazing. He murders the fuck out of Lisker, drops dead, and there's like no more zoonoids left in this room who even stand a chance. I think Flyman runs away. No, 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 no. No, that's right. Uh, Sean said it before. I, he's fighting that dude and he fucking elbow blades him in the throat and fucking kills him. Okay, yep, that's right. Uh, then they all seem, you know, everybody's seemingly dead like all the zoonoids. And uh, they're going to leave, and he grabs Mark Hamill, and he grabs Mitski, and they're and they're running out. And then Mark Hamill just starts like fucking convulsing. Yeah, he goes through the metamorphosis, and he's like, and he's like, oh my god, yeah, he's fucking. He goes full Kafka and fucking turns into a cockroach. Oh, this is awesome because the way they film this is agonizing because like he's laying on the ground. If you look through the if you look through the door, you can like you see David Gale, and he's like using his like fucking uh, forehead eye to like. To, to manipulate him, like, to make him turn into it, like, quicker. Uh, and this transformation's horrific. Uh, like, his, like, left leg splits in two vertically. Oh, yeah. And, like, turns into, like, a fucking bug stalk or something. He's growing extra limbs, like, in really horrifying places. Like, at some point, he's looking down, there's, like, a gross arm popping out of his shoulder. His legs, like, split and become two different legs. And the pisser is, he turns into this giant cockroach, but he still has Mark Hamill's eyes. Yeah. And, he, and he's fucking talking. He's like, you have to stop them... Sean. Good old blue eyes. Uh, and then he just drops dead and uh, Kronos comes out and he's like, oh, well, that's what happens when you take him out of the, the oven too soon. Yeah, he wasn't in the soup long enough. But then he also says, well, he would have probably died anyway. Sean, like, fucking Yakuza kicks him through a goddamn door and he just disappears. <laughs> he goes, come and get me. And then he fucking, yeah, then he fucking just drop kicks him through a fucking door. David Gale is like, fooled you. And then, like, you just hear his voice change. You hear, like, transformation sounds. He sees big glowing eyes in the dark. And he's like, dude, I'm the Zoa Lord. And then he tur- he steps out, and he's the archdemon from Doom. Oh, yeah. It looks like if Smog fucked a fucking moose. It's so weird looking, but it's his big fucking scary monster design. It's awesome. And Sean is cartwheeling away from this thing the entire time. It's kind of entertaining. Yeah, and he's like, he, like, jumps jumps up top and like fucking uh jumps on its head and like cuts a fucking horn off and then gets like flipped and then fucking pimp smack across the room it's pretty cool i'm surprised this giant monster maneuvers so well in this little space i'm surprised that this movie ended with a fight with a giant monster oh yeah and it's and it's seeming and a decently satisfying one too i think it's pretty awesome way better than the one from howard the duck yeah it looks it looks fucking creepy man it looks cool uh so then like this thing kind of grabs sean and starts to get the upper hand a little bit and then presses him against the center console and he's like i'll take the guy of Unit, and then, like this disgusting tongue hand. It's like his tongue, but it's like totally a dude like puppeteering it, and it fucking like grabs his face. Yeah, it goes to pull the unit back out of Sean's head, and this is where we see the suit has an ultimate weapon that is hidden within. If the suit knows it's in danger, it basically the chest starts to kind of uh, pulsate and has this light coming out of it. And if Sean can open it. It's basically like a doom cannon. It's <laughs> it's gonna destroy whatever's in front of it. It's the fucking BFG, like inside of him. As long as whoever's like about to kill him isn't can't get the fucking ball out, it'll work. You know what I mean? It's gonna wreck your shit. Yup. And it does. This thing fires David Gale into like the next four rooms, and then he explodes into a into a fireball of of just flames and body parts. It's amazing. It's so it's so satisfying. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> So then, uh, so then Sean's like, oh, Mitski, it's still me. I'm Sean. She's like, yeah, I know it's you. That's great. And then the suit comes off and he's butt ass naked and she like goes in to kiss him 
and she's like looking at his penis and there's like a little joke there or whatever and she puts a fucking lab coat on and you're like oh look at that happily ever after let's get the fuck out of here the movie does like go like hey time to go yeah basically and then we fucking pan over and like the head of like the the bureau oh fish head I guess he survived. Yeah, yeah. We we pan to fucking Stryker and the and the the other like cop bad guy. Stryker's like smoking a cigarette and just like nodding. Yeah, and he's in monster form. We need to we need to make a note of that. Yeah, he's in monster form, and the dude picks the cigarette. He's like, no smoking. Well, there's a sign in the wall that says no smoking, and that's the joke. He's like, I got a job for you, and the motherfucker JJ Walker monster turns to the guy and goes, dynamite. Cut to fucking credits. Fuck this movie. <laughs> But really, though, it's awesome, though. This movie's not that bad. It's awesome. You know, if I saw this movie when I was like 12, I'd be like so fucking into it. But at 30, I'm just like, what am I wasting my time watching? That's the difference is that everyone I know who loves this movie discovered it the exact same way. They saw it on TV one day. No, I know saw it. This didn't have a theatrical release, I don't think. I don't think so. Everyone I know saw this on like VHS or on Sci-Fi Channel or on HBO or something as a kid. And because Power Rangers was at the height of its popularity... This was like the forbidden fruit version of Power Rangers. You're like, you're like, what do you mean he gets a cool suit and he blows people's heads up? Right. No, I, I, I definitely get the sentiment and I understand why you guys are like super in this movie. Like there's parts of this movie that, you know, if I was telling someone about this movie, I'd be like, you got to see this scene or you got to see this scene. But the rest of the movie for me, it just I don't, it didn't do it for me, man. Hey, do each his own. I mean, you know, it's... It's definitely goofy in some spots. I mean, for sure, like, overtly so. But on the whole, I fucking love it so much. I love it because, like, it's... I would take this over any of the anime adaptations they're trying to fucking squeeze out between their cheeks lately. Well, that too. It's such a... I I think... Now, I haven't seen the entirety of the anime series, but, like, I've seen enough where I feel like this is a pretty decent adaption. And plus the people that are involved. I mean, you have the original writer, you got Screaming Man George, and you got Steve Wang. You know, I, I think... As a big fan of special effects and as an effects guy, like, this is just fucking eye candy for me. Like, the creatures in this are so fucking well done. All the effects, the transformations, all of that shit, all the suit work and stuff is fucking so cool to me. I could give a fuck what's actually coming out of anybody's mouth. Yeah, I don't care how good, like, this, upon revisiting it, like, it is overtly goofy. Uh, and that was actually one of the main criticisms of this movie when it came out. And again, the comparisons to the sequel can't be avoided because Steve Yang, oh, Steve Yang, Steve Wang was the director of the second one. He didn't have a co-director, and it is a straight-up martial arts movie. There's no goofy comedy. All the stuff that is kind of insufferable or unnecessary in this movie is is non-existent. And the reason, like I. The Giver exists so that people can discover Giver too. Yeah, and y- you know what? Based on everything you guys are saying about the second movie, I I am pretty fucking ready to see it. But uh, you know, I just I have to put this movie in the dumpster. It's it's not at the bottom, but it's definitely in the middle. You know, the special effects and Mark Hamill kind of saved this movie from just being a total piece of shit for me. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the sequel, and I hope it. Uh, I turn a corner on it. I think you will. I this is a shelf movie for me, uh, just because of the lifelong nostalgia I've had for it, and I haven't revisited it in pff, over a decade. Yeah, this is on the shelf for me too, and I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I've, I used to watch this all the time, even up until like my teens. I would, I would watch this a lot too, um, and. You know, like I said before, like spinning this today, it just took me back and I just had a ton of fun watching this. Um, It's awesome. A plus on the shelf. Bingo bongo. 
So that's it. That's The Giver from 1991, directed by Screaming Mad George and Steve Wang. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Follow us at Movie Dumpster on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our sister podcast, The Phantom Zone, hosted by our very own Connor McGraw. You can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Yo, I deal with this. I've been looking high, I've been looking low for the guiding, jiving thing to show. And now this punk's become a hunk, but all along he's had the song. Well, let me just tell you one thing. I'm gonna boot that thing with the guiding thing. I'm going to make you crawl and gonna make you sing. Cause I want that guiding, jiving thing. Boy.